Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Ask LFC podcast. Good to be with y'all today. My name is Harrison, Director of Worship Arts here at Lake Forest, Huntersville, sitting down today with... Jeff Cook, guy that does other stuff. Guy that does other stuff. Put it's that on a title. business card right there. <laughs> Man, that is... That is very detailed stuff. Uh, good to good to be here with you guys today. We're on a here here in our green room on our Huntersville campus on a burning hot July day here, and it is good to be inside where it's air conditioned. Yes, it is, and not hanging out out there. But uh, yeah, uh, we're we're in the speaking of summer. We're uh, we're in the middle of our summer reading series, taking a long stroll through the book of. Galatians, not as long as there are. Uh, you listen to a lot of people that preach and stuff, Jeff. What what is uh, what is the longest uh, time spent in a in a book that you've seen one church do? Oh boy. Um, well, so I saw one church do Revelations over the course of I want to say two two and a half months. Wow. Now there's a lot in there, um, but yeah, it was just like a deep deep dive that's a long that's a long time that's a long time i feel like there was a church out in seattle a number of years ago that i heard would take six seven eight months going through a gospel because they would just do a handful three four five verses at a time there was a church uh just north of charlotte that spent an entire year walking through the bible yeah 2021 i seem to remember that weird Mm -hmm. yeah something wrong with those guys well, um, so we've been trying to uh, to get some of our folks here at Lake Forest on board with reading through the book of Galatians as we've been studying it together as a church, uh, working on one of those good old spiritual disciplines that um, can, at times, if you're uh, if you're not approaching it well as a Christ follower, there are some of these spiritual disciplines that we accidentally turn into like chores or tasks that we have to check off. Have I read my Bible? Have I prayed? Have I da, 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 da. Uh, but we've, we've had some really cool, uh, stories of a lot of our folks, um, interacting in some neat ways with the book of Galatians. What's your, uh, experience of that, Ben, Jeff, from what you've been hearing from folks? Sure. I, I just enjoy it because I have, and I think we all do, you know, I have, uh, preconceived notions that I bring to the Bible like everybody else does or things that I've heard before. And so when I think of Galatians, I'll immediately go to a specific place, but being able to actually read the comments of the other people has been super fun. Um, And I, so we've been using this whole reading plan thing this whole year. Um, But I, since uh, oftentimes people that are listening are like, you know, First followers, folks, just to, to pull back the curtain on this whole process for a minute for y'all. We were talking about doing a soap journal, which is what we normally do. And I was like, hey, we've been doing this really cool thing with the Bible app. You can invite people to a reading plan. Why don't we do that instead? And I was like, yeah, that's a great idea. And so I'm, I'm driving this thing and we lay it out. And the first day, people are just signing up like crazy. And I'm thinking, this is awesome. And then I all of a sudden realize that a reading plan on the Bible app, it, you're only allowed 150 people on a single reading plan. And so I have this moment Sunday afternoon that we rolled it out of complete and utter panic. What is going to happen? And then I realize, much to my comfort, that I can actually start more than one reading plan. 
So like under my account, I started a second reading plan and I'm thinking, no problem. We're good. But you people, like so many of you people wanted to get involved in this thing that I also discovered same day that you're only allowed to have 250 friends on one particular account. And so I literally, fortunately, I have a Lake Forest account and I have like a personal account. And so we had to switch and we've been able to keep it under 500 so that that's still working. But literally, I have three different plans under two different accounts. Like that is how many people have engaged this, which if you're going to have a problem, is an amazing problem to have. That's a good problem to have. What's wrong with you people? What is your your guys' problem? Well, it has been cool walking through uh, Galatians together. And this weekend, uh, we get to hear... Uh, for, for the very first time with him being a part of our staff, uh, pastor Andrew Ruth is going to, uh, preach and share with us. Um, I'll tell you guys, uh, behind the scenes, it has been super cool getting to know Andrew and getting to start to partner with him in some ministry stuff. I super appreciate this guy and his, uh, genuineness and his passion and his enthusiasm. He's a super cool guy. And if you haven't gotten a chance to know him yet, uh, would highly recommend. He's a super good dude. And uh, so, yeah, we're going to hear from him this weekend. He is our uh, our new Missio Day pastor. And part of um, something that we, as identified by Pastor Mike, there are a couple things that we, as kind of a staff team, want to work at and do better as we approach this next season of ministry. And one of those three tasks for us uh, is just overwhelming our church with, uh, with ideas, uh, content, stories, direction, vision, all that of what it means uh, to be on the Missio Day, on the mission of God, both uh, in your regular day-to-day life, in big ways like going on trips, just like a reinvigorating uh, of Missio Day within our congregation. So we're kind of you know excited to see where that goes. But a phrase that gets thrown around a lot, Jeff, that can be, um, I don't know, confusing, I guess, is this Missio Day every day. It's kind of like... Uh, has been around here for a while. It seems like it's also Andrew's personal motto as you talk to him mantra yeah um so i I get what does that phrase mean to you sure so it actually just explains why we use missio day to begin with i asked when i got here five years ago why we don't say missions but instead we say missio day and and what i was told is that when i say missions probably most of us picture a orphanage in africa right and and not that that's not missio day it is But Missio Dei very literally translates mission of God. And if I'm going to be on the mission of God, well, that's, yeah, it's two weeks at an orphanage in Honduras. But but it's also at the Starbucks that I go to, or the Defined Coffee, because I love Defined Coffee, Mm -hmm. um, that I go to. And the barista's there. It's the, the lady that I see in the pickup line at my kid's school. It's the guy that cuts my lawn. It, you know, it's just my everyday life, um, that concept means more to me because I'm in professional ministry. And like, 
all the good spiritual stuff that I get to enjoy in, in the course of a work day is great and I love it and it builds up my spirit, but it is not the same thing as being on God's mission simply as a follower of Jesus. And I've kind of developed over the years where I, different things at different points, some longer than others, but I always have something that has nothing to do with my job, but is just how I live out being on God's mission in my personal life. Um, that for us, for, for quite some time now, that has been foster care. Mm-hmm. And, and doing foster care and ultimately adopting um, is one of the things that, that I appreciate about just our, our crew, like Lake Forest crew. We've got a lot of people that are engaged in one way or another, right? Not everybody is, is uh, in the right position or equipped to, to be a foster parent. But like as a foster parent who's a part of this church, you know, we had a, we had a placement – I don't know, maybe almost four years ago, um, three weeks before Christmas, we got, we already, we had our three boys and we got a 17 year old and an eight year old and the 17 year old and eight year old ended up with more presents than the kids that were already there because of the number of people that just came around us. Hey, you need a loft bed. I got one for you. Hey, you need clothes. I got them for you. Um, it's just something that I really appreciate about our community and and obviously I personally love it because we do it but what I like about it the most is that it gives so many opportunities to be on God's mission just like you know I, I pretty regularly say on a Sunday morning the person with the microphone is not the most important person in the room it's everybody else mm-hmm. that actually matters there um, and similarly when you start looking at either foster care or adoption just caring for vulnerable children period, there is something everybody can do. Um, and so trying to make those opportunities and find those things, that's, I'm excited about that. I was just conversing with, with Pastor Andrew upstairs um, about like him and I sitting down and just talking about even in the world of community group, we always, you know, push people, encourage people to, to serve. And one of the things I pretty regularly say is like, hey, like serving at a soup kitchen is good, but if you had a neighbor who you know lost his job and his fence is busted and your crew, like your community group gets together, chips in for the parts and fixes it together. Like that's a deeper experience yeah, sure. of mission of God. What, what drew you and your family at first to the foster and adoptive uh, care stuff? Sure. So two, two things. It was actually very different uh, for me and for Rebecca. Uh, Rebecca is the oldest of 11 And, um, she has, so she is one of five biological siblings and then has six that were actually adopted out of foster care. Hmm. So for her, from the time she was, I think she was 16 when they came. So for her, that's just a very natural part of, of loving people. And she also had parents that regularly just let people live with them for periods of time if they needed care. So that was just normal for her. For me, it was a little bit more theological. Um, and was the idea of being adopted into God's family because I come from kind of a, a, a rough, I mean, my family wasn't rough, but the places that I put myself mm-hmm. were pretty rough. Um, the idea of, of being involved in having this whole new family, like my first church, the pastor would actually cook lunch for the whole congregation every Sunday. 
and we would sit down and eat lunch together. And one of my first Sundays there, uh, the pastor's wife made this cake for, cause it was his birthday. And I commented how much I liked the cake. And I showed up the next week and she had made me the same cake for me because, because I said I liked it <laughs> and just like literally treated me like one of the family. Now she is my mother-in-law now, yeah. <laughs> which, but I wasn't even dating Rebecca then. Yeah. Um, and so that idea, like to me, the, the biggest sell of the gospel is that I get not, I like, I don't get invited in as a guest in someone else's home. Like I get invited and I get a seat at God's table. Like I actually get to be a part of hmm. what he's doing, not just a spectator. So <clears throat> I think that, um, in all my experiences, for sure, part, part of, part of being on the mission of God, there's this thing that he does a lot where, um, following him on his mission does not always put you in places of comfort <laughs> or in places of, uh, control or, uh, he, he doesn't promise smooth sailing all the time, I guess is my point. We see this over and over. Look at the, look at the lives of, of any of Jesus, uh, 12 closest partners in ministry, his, his, uh, apostles, um, and all of them, you know, in some ways, and eventually, ultimately, for all of them leading to their martyrdom, this situation probably will not get you martyred, but hopefully, hopefully not. <laughs> um, uh, following Jesus on his mission has a tendency to uh, flip some things upside down in your life and bring some challenges. It's not always smooth sailing. Uh, for you guys, for uh, as you've walked this path, um, what have been some of the parts for you guys that were like, man, I didn't all the way know we were signing up for this. Am I still on the right path kind of thing that were tough moments? Sure. Um, that's easy. There's two. Uh, one that ultimately, I, like I'm grateful for it, but when we had uh, one of our placements was there's probably more trauma that they experienced than anyone else that's been with us. Um, and I think of myself like, I think of myself back when I was using, right? Like if I was hanging out with my buddies and somebody made a joke I didn't like, I'd punch them in the face. Like that was just, that was the demeanor that I had. And I got clean and that like anger almost immediately went away. And then I met Jesus and I felt like it really, really went away. And most people who know me will tell you, like I'm a pretty laid back chill guy. And I, so I thought that all of that anger was gone. But then you put a man-sized child in my home who solely because of the trauma that he experienced, but is disrespecting my wife and my children on the regular, I quickly discover that that angry dude is still in there. <laughs> I just had built a life that didn't draw him out. Yep. And, and because of what we were doing, I had to, I had to face that and do some more work on myself. Hmm. The second thing that was, that is honestly is probably the hardest. I still believe in, it's just the hardest to stick with is the sacrifices that my, my biological or already adopted children have to make anytime we bring someone new into the home. Um, that's just, uh, I, I won't say which children for, for their own sake, but like I have spent with more than one child, I have spent long periods of time like 
crying on a floor in the closet because they feel like their life is over mm-hmm. because of this, this thing that we're trying to do as a family. Um, but I've also witnessed, gotten to witness, like in particular, our, our most recent adoptees, when they first came, one of my kids was not super excited about them being there. Uh, because it definitely kind of drew some of the attention away from him. And they were two and a half years old. Like, they were a lot. Yep. Um, and so we would regularly have conversations like, hey, if we got to adopt them, would you would you want to? Um, and he wasn't always enthusiastic about the situation. But that same child is now the kid that, like, we do rest time for our little kids. And so rest time goes until 3 o'clock. At, I mean, at 2.59, that kid is like, can I wake them up yet? Can I wake them up yet? Hmm. Because all he wants to do is play with them. They're like yeah. a little crew now. Yeah. And getting to see that kind of heart change is worth all of the other stuff. And it, it proves that if you actually follow Jesus, things will not always be smooth. But, but there's always some joy that comes from that. Uh, even if you got to walk through some trial first. Awesome. One last question for you and we can, we can wrap it up there. Um, I guess how have you, this is something that because of your uh, profession and your job, uh, not even as the missions do, but you work at a church and you help people as we say here all the time, discover and live out their role in God's story. So when it comes to dis- to the discovering part, um, what would you say to folks that are like, okay, living on the Missio Day every day? That sounds great. How do I do that? I'm not sure. You know, mm-hmm. I can foster or adopt a kid right now. Like, what is the what is the premise of that look like? And what are I guess what are some of the 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 things people should be asking themselves or exploring as they figure out what that looks like for them? Sure. How have you walked through that with people? Yep. I guess. Um, so for me, because. Most of the time, most of the time, you're talking about couples, right? Um, and and the only thing, because I, you ask anybody in my life, most of the decisions that Rebecca and I made around foster and adoption, like to the world, by the world standards, were actually pretty stupid decisions. Like, wouldn't advise, didn't make sense. Um, but the thing, the one thing that we have held to for sure is that uh, as a couple, we both have to be on board. Like if we are not both on board, it will drive a wedge yeah. between us, not drive us closer together to the point where we, at one point we discussed starting our foster licensing and one of us was not as gung ho at that season as the other. And we backed off it until we both felt like it was time. Um, one of the things that people can do if they're interested in foster and adopt, I mean, for sure, anytime my wife will host people for dinner and talk about the realities of it, absolutely. Um, but if if you just feel drawn to get involved in that, like supporting people who are doing it is a great first step to get you kind of close enough to kind of see the picture of what it really looks like. Sure. Um, and and everybody who does that, whether it's adoption, like straight up adoption foster care or foster adoption, they all need tribe to help them. Like there's no way that we could have done what we've done by ourselves. Um, and some of the people that kind of came around us, 
ultimately ended up uh, either adopting or or starting the process of foster care. Hmm. That's awesome, man. Well, um, uh, that should do it for us today. Jeff, thanks for jumping in and sharing all that stuff, man. I appreciate it. And and, um, for you guys listening, we're looking forward to continuing this journey through Galatians and just would encourage you uh, a question that I can't remember who asked me this. It could have been our, our dear friend Percy from Zambia, maybe. Um, this seems like the kind of thing that he would say at least, but in kind of helping to identify what it looks like to live on the mission of God, I was asked once, what would it look like if you were placed in the city you already live in from somewhere else as a missionary? What if you were called to a missionary to the place that you currently live? What would change about how you approach your life if you were thinking about what would I do if I was a missionary here? And, and I, I just, uh, yeah, I encourage you guys to find what that Missio Day looks like for you in your work, in your family, in your uh, group of friends, on your kids' teams, whatever it may be. Uh, there are such cool opportunities to, um, to be on God's mission, even in our regular everyday stuff, too. So uh, we will catch you guys next time here on the Ask LSC podcast. Have a great week. See you guys. See you.